Welcome to Hard Sell, a podcast where my friend and I give each other the hard sell on a piece of media that we enjoy, such as a movie, a video game, an album, or a podcast musical. My name is Cody Morin. I'm Tim Bloom. And I'm Cozy Hanula. <laughs> Did you forget I forgot, your name this I time, to say a, <laughs> I forgot I was a part of the intro. Yeah, you're just <laughs> late everywhere already. This recording, we're 30 seconds in. We're off to a flying start. Just off to the races. It's great. Uh, guys, I had a question. Uh, how familiar are you or how much have you ever been into like comic books? Because I feel like that's a, a type of media we haven't really touched a whole lot on. This is true. I, As a child, I was, like, obsessed with comics. Like, I would buy, like, uh, they have these huge, like, X-Men and Spider-Men, like, lore books that were just, like, these giant books of, like, all of the characters. It was almost like an encyclopedia of, like, all of the characters and all of the stories. And I, like, loved reading through them. But I don't usually love, like, actually reading comic books. Okay, um, yeah. I, am, I like being familiar with what's happening in comics, or I like little, like, a page of a comic that shows up on, like, Twitter. But yeah, I'm not super familiar with, like, most comics, other than I really like Watchmen. Oh, yeah, mm. I like Watchmen. Yeah, yeah, Watchmen's a good one. I read that book and then watched the HBO series, and I liked both of those things. Yeah, I feel like I I was never huge into buying like individual comic books. There's like a couple like bigger collections that I bought. Yeah. Or like if there was a character that I particularly liked, I would seek out like a collection about them. Uh but yeah, I I was never really huge into them besides seeing like all of the Marvel movies and all that stuff and knowing the characters from that or their TV shows and stuff like that, but Yeah. I was just kind of poking around the internet the other day, and I came across some weird characters that I did not even know were a thing. Great. And some of these characters really just kind of go off the rails, and so I just, you know, like, one of my favorite characters uh, in Marvel is Squirrel Girl, just because I think her character yeah. is quite funny. Like, she is one of the ones that I have a collection of, uh just because it's more than anything it's a wholesome comic book that is all just kind of goofy pretty stupid but it's pretty funny isn't but, her deal like she's basically one punch man of the marvel universe of just like her whole thing is she wins every time yeah she wins you know using the power of squirrels but it's not sure. always like she kills the bad guy sometimes it's just like she makes them change their mind, and they're just like, okay, I won't be bad anymore, bye. Nice. Uh, but also definitely sometimes beats them by, like, overpowering them with hordes and hordes of squirrels. Sounds uh, like a dream. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, so I kind of just wanted to run through some of these weird ones that I found in my little rabbit hole. And some of them I'm sure you've probably heard of. Uh, there's one uh, eye boy. I'll start with Marvel because DC really goes off the rails, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there is a mutant uh, in Marvel who is named Eye Boy, and his whole deal is that he's just covered in eyes. Okay, he, so this is not like oh. the Apple 
sponsored Marvel villain. No, no, E Y E boy. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yeah, not not the boy who was an iPod. I see. Uh, but yeah, no, and just that he's covered in eyes, and they have like they can each see different spectrums. So like there is a power to it, but his whole deal is just that he's covered in eyes, which is a little weird. But then they have another character in Marvel named Swarm who uh, I was reading about his character. He was uh, killed and eaten by mutated bees. Sure. And then the bees, because they were mutated, like merged kind of with his skeleton. And so it is. he is a walking skeleton whose spirit merged with these bees. He looks kind of like a person, but he's just made of bees and bones, and that's it. There is a character in a podcast that I listen to who is playing that character, unironically, in a <laughs> tabletop role-playing game podcast, and it just dawned on me that that's fully just this character. <laughs> uh, I, I also definitely recognize that some of their earlier characters are a little bit more strange. There's another Marvel character named the Phone Ranger. <laughs> Uh, who was a telephone repairman that was sure. sent to fix a phone uh, that turns out was a prison for a small race of aliens. Uh, and of so he used their tech and can now tap into any communications technology. But he's dressed as a clock, but not like a... <laughs> uh, but not like a big round clock with hands. Like, his chest has, like, 12... How many buttons are on a clock? Twelve. The numbers in the what? Like on an analog clock, you've got like one through nine, and then the zero and the star and the pound. Okay. He sure. has like buttons on his chest, and then the handset is like around the back half of his neck, with like a very square clock, sh- like analog clock shaped thing around his neck. Wow. And that's just how he dresses. Uh, and then I think my favorite Marvel one uh, is a character named Dr. Bong, um, <laughs> who was an enemy of Howard the Duck. Sure. Uh, who just wears a helmet that's shaped like a bell. Uh, and it can do things if he hits the bell, but that's just kind of his whole character, is he just has a bell for a head. Yeah. Wow. Some of these are like, you just like got high and doodled a person and then... <laughs> needed to submit something to an editor. And well, so you just like we looked are. around the room and found an object and c- added it to a superhero and then uh that was the character concept. Yeah, and uh I think that definitely uh falls into heading over into the DC side of things. The character that led me down this path to begin with, yeah, uh is a character named uh Animal Vegetable Mineral Man. <laughs> Uh, oh my who gosh! Can unsurprisingly, he can change his body into the form of any animal, vegetable, or mineral. He's so good <laughs> at twenty questions. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> uh, and he can do some of them like multiple at once. Like half of his body can be a dinosaur, while the other half is a tree. Why? It beats me. Uh, <laughs> he can be any combination of animal vegetable and mineral but he can't be like two animals at once it has to be one of each 
Perfect. Yeah, it, it wouldn't make any sense if he could be like an elephant and a giraffe at the same time. That'd oh, no. be outlandish. Uh, and so there's other ones like there's characters that I think are more well known on the DC side, uh, like Matter Eater Lad, um, who he comes from a race of people that they can bite through and eat a matter of any and all forms. Mm-hmm. And that's just their whole deal. But then you have other characters like Arm Fall Off Boy. That's uh, the real name for that superhero? Yes. Arm Fall Off Boy. Wow. That is not catchy. Nope. Not at all. And his ability. Is that a pun? Is that a pun that it's not catchy? <laughs> no. Because his arm fell off? Not intentionally. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so his whole deal is that he can detach his own limbs and use them as blunt weapons. Incredible. And that's it. Like, it would be so unnerving, so I mean, fair <laughs> it enough, would fair be. play to him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think really the other ones that I found were that all of the lanterns in like the Green Lantern, Red Lantern, whatever, they really just kind of go off the rails with who is allowed to be a lantern. Yeah. Um, like for the Green Lanterns, I think it was Mogo is like a planet that is a Green Lantern. Sure. But on the opposite side, they have a character named Liesel Pawn, who is a sentient smallpox virus that was given a Green Lantern to help them deal with biological problems. Hmm. Wow. Or uh, Dexstar who was a house cat that got so mad when he saw his owner get killed that he was given a red lantern ring from Atrocitus uh, and so that he could kill the people who killed his owner. Interesting. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's, uh... So they'd really just kind of go off the rails with letting whoever they want be characters, whether that's a, a cat or a virus it's yeah. just there's a lot of other weird ones but yeah i think arm fall off boy was my favorite uh, yeah that's a good one <laughs> i think that's my favorite can i tell you um how uh my two favorite characters uh one from marvel and one from dc in this vein so there's a character who appeared in a limited run 5 issue series called x-men the worst x-man ever <laughs> uh and it's a character named bailey hoskins he didn't get a code name uh he's a mutant and his power was self-detonation so he could explode um but he would explode <laughs> he, he couldn't like explode and reform himself so he just like could explode, but he, didn't he want to, because obviously that was it, and that was it. So he just, like, didn't use his powers, because otherwise he would explode. Um, <laughs> and that is that character. And then my favorite DC one is actually one of the first Batman villains uh, from, maybe not one of the first, I guess not, because his first appearance was in Batman number 133, but was from... Very early issues of Batman, who is a character named Kite Man, who is just a man with a kite. <laughs> That's it. He just has a hang glider and he does crimes and Batman beats him up. <laughs> um, 
That's the whole character concept. There's no, it's not like the vulture in Marvel where it's like he has wings or like he just literally, dude has a hang glider. That's it. (laughs) There's no other like special things really. Uh, I mean, I think over time they've like given him weird things, but originally fully just like man with hang glider. And I'm like, that's a, that's achievable. Like, I could be Kite Man. I can't be, like, <laughs> Cyclops and shoot lasers out of my eyes, but I can buy a hang glider. You could. True. I, I could see it. Yeah, and it's, you know, why do they keep reusing the Joker in all of the, like, new Batman movies over and over again when they could just use Kite Man? Think of the right. budget savings for the movie. So, so much easier. It's roughly the same budget as a Jackass movie. Uh, to have Kite Man. You could even have one of them do it, and it can just be their fun stunts that they get to do, go hang gliding off of buildings and things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was uh, that was about all I had. But, okay, going back to your Bailey Hoskins, how, how do they discover that he has this power to explode himself? To be if- honest, I, I don't truly remember. I, like, read a blurb <laughs> about it forever ago, and I googled, like, most useless X-Men to, re- to remind myself of it. But I, I remember that there, like, was an X-Men who, like, could detonate and so just, like, didn't, and that was the whole thing. I don't know if he blows up in the end or not, so don't spoil me. I, uh, I won't, because I certainly don't know either, and there's a good chance I won't find out, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, hmm. Are you stumped? Did and we now finally I'm, stump now, you? you have no now transition? I'm stumped. I have no transition. Speaking of things that involve some amount of mystery. Weak. Finally, <laughs> we got a weak one. Tim, uh, last episode, I pitched you on the children's animated tv show on netflix hilda uh what did you think of it you did pitch me on hilda um so you had me watch the first season of hilda there's two seasons in a movie right yep yeah and i think there's a third and final season on the way sure um yeah so i watched hilda it's it basically a show where a young blue haired girl named hilda grows up in the woods with her mom and her deer fox named Twig. Um, and she hangs out in the woods for, I guess, spoilers for all of the first season of Hilda starting now. Um, lives in the woods for a few episodes until a giant she befriends uh, inadvertently stomps on her home, destroying it. And she moves with her mom to Trollberg, the nearby that seems like the closest nearby city. Maybe the only city? It's not clear. But a city of other human people to live and hang out and make friends. Um, so I think uh, there is kind of a plot. There is like a through line through. But it's pretty like you could pretty easily like pop in at any if you know the premise generally. It's pretty, like, Monster of the Week style, like, you can pop in, pop out, and it's mostly fine. Um, So I will just chat through my notes in the order that I made them. Uh, 
my very first note as I was watching this show, great music and like great sound design in this music, like from episode or sound design in this music, sound design <laughs> in this show broadly. Yeah. Um, actually don't love like the theme song, but everything else, like all of the music throughout, it has this like nice sort of like, it's very much about the show. Like the theme of the show is very much about like nature and Hilda's uh, relationship to like the natural world and how she's much more comfortable in nature versus around people. Um, and it has this nice, like, twangy naturey vibe but there's also this like electronic back to the like the beats and stuff like that that i think flows really really well and like feels uh really unique for a kid's show like this yeah there's i i noticed it the first time i watched an episode uh in i think it's the first episode uh they ha- play just the instrumental part from a kind of electric electronic indie-ish artist named Kishibashi. Yeah. And I picked up on it pretty quick and like, yeah, just kind of similar motifs to that carry through a lot of the show. And I agree. I, I really like how the music is done throughout. Um, yeah. And I think the music like accentuates what they're going for. Cause what they want, it's this world where like, you know, she is in nature and there are things like, it's this weird juxtaposition between realism and like nonsense in a way that makes it sort of hard to pin down like this is a world where like they live in the woods and there's someone named the woodman who is a man made of wood who comes into their house at will seemingly does not respect their privacy in any way and his main goal is to drop wood off and sometimes steal their books um And that's his whole deal. And there are, like, giants that people don't really remark on. Like, it's it's sort of surreal, but also at the same time, like, her mom has a graphic design job. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there's, like, the the juxtaposition between, like, how much this is, like, the real world circa, like, 2001 um, versus how much this is, like, a weird fairy tale world. Like, that mashup is kind of works for me and is sort of like fun and feels like kind of fresh and interesting without feeling like super random. Like it feels like the world has a, it has an aesthetic. So when something pops up where like they have like a television, like a full TV set, it doesn't feel like way out of place, but it also, uh, it, it's hard to like predict. And I think the music is almost kind of similar where there are like, kind of fantasy relaxed like uh old school naturey vibes with yeah. these like newer backing tracks. Yeah, I I like that contrast where you know she might be in school one day with like just it's just a regular classroom with desks and they're just learning regular like math and things like that and then there are also big rock trolls that are attacking their town that would feel like it would be in a, just a different setting. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't feel like this is the setting for that, but yeah, I think it works um, kind of in its own way. Yeah. 
I have more thoughts on this, but we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I also one of my notes is I really like the animation style. Mm. Uh, it's it's drawn. Oh yeah, it's, me too. It's not. It's very very much drawn. It's not like a CGI animation at all. At least not that I could tell. Yeah. It, it reminded me almost of like old school Cartoon Network, mm. like a a little better than like Ed and Eddie <laughs> or like that era but like yeah not by a, but like simpler than oh god what was that cartoon show with like the kids who had the secret there was they all Codename called kids each, next door yes codename kids next door thank you for picking that reference <laughs> up um like way simpler than that but like you know it it had high quality but like simple in a way that was very nostalgic as a kid who very much preferred cartoon network to like nickelodeon this had strong cartoon network vibes i think yeah and i think i think the art is one of my favorite parts about the show um i love their use of color um like when they're in a dark scene and everything is like kind of washed out and muted um i like how they do that contrast really well um some of my favorite shots in the show are like when they do a zoomed out view of the characters and you just see like their little tiny characters walking along. I feel like just the little touches like that. I really enjoy how they did with the show. Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty well done. It could tell. So I looked up later. This is obviously this is a like book or it started as a I think a graphic novel, right? I'm- I believe so. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, graphic novel series. So, and like you can tell, like it's inspired. It looks like it's pulled from a graphic novel. Um, yeah. In a way that like isn't shitty, just like is. Um, it like pulls from that aesthetic, I think, like really effectively throughout the show. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of not in terms of the. I don't really know what in terms. I wrote Courage the Cowardly Dog down <laughs> as a note. And I don't know exactly. I think it's just like the contrast between real. It's not the same tone at all as <laughs> no, Courage the Cowardly Dog. But like something about this struck me uh, a little courage just in terms of like the mundanity of pieces of it. And then like the weird hijinks kind of stuff like again it's not creepy it's not scary but just like i don't it's like that era or genre of shows what this reminded me most of and that is when i in my life like watched the most cartoons was when i was like six to eight years old watching like like i said like courage and edit and eddie and codename kids next door and stuff like that and i think that is the uh this felt more or less in that vein of like animation style and like basic show structure and things like that. I guess actually now that I'm thinking of it, the animation reminded me most of like Dexter's laboratory, not in terms of like, this is way more cinematic and stuff like that, but just in terms of like what the characters look like and stuff like that. It's really like that era. Sure. Um, And I like that stuff that kind of worked for me. Yeah, and you had kind of mentioned that it's not, like, quite creepy, but it just, like, encroaches a little bit on, like, those darker vibes at various points. 
that yeah. some other shows like Courage and things like that did also. Yeah, I do think um, in general, the like the closer it got to Courage, like the closer it got to like creepy vibes. Um, I didn't love that in the show. Like it didn't really work for me because it felt so like out of tone with what was going to with like the rest of the show. So like when courage gets creepy, it's because courage's parents, the old couple, uh, have been like possessed by a demon or trying to yeah. eat courage or something like that. Like, it, yeah, <laughs> it's super creepy at no and there are times where like the show wants you to think that like Hilda is in danger or like yeah but i'm just like it doesn't it would have felt so atonal for the show for like anyone at any point to be in danger like in the last yeah. episode i remember like there's there's the dog the bar guest yeah who like eats three people supposedly and then it turns <laughs> out like they're not eating it's yeah. all fine. And I'm like, that didn't surprise me because I'm like, that is consistent with this show. And so yeah. when it tried to get creepy and stuff, I was just kind of like, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't, th th that's where it read most. That is one of the places it read really like a kid show that like, I, I couldn't like get on. It's, it's not good enough to just like show a creepy person on screen to like make me scared anymore. It was yeah, what I was. Yeah, there have to be realistic eight, stakes. Yeah, the stakes didn't feel commensurate with like the tone in some of those moments. Yeah, that's fair. It's definitely you know, it's definitely not the goal of the show to be that tone. I think. Yeah, it is. I get where you're coming from that it isn't. Um, you know, it's one of those things where like they could go either way, like go more into that creepy tone or just like back off of it because they're ultimately not going to do anything with it as they yeah. like approach it. But yeah, it's definitely, it's intended to be like a brighter show overall. So like once it gets kind of close to something like that, it definitely does back off pretty hard or like with the, the rat King that they find in the sewers that like, you know, it, feel they like play it off as it's as if it's going to be something like kind of creepy scary whatever and then once hilda meets it and starts talking to it it's just like a joke basically see i actually like the rat king thing because it's funny because like yeah. the rat king is like a deeply likable character and a rat <laughs> king is like truly the most horrific visual that <laughs> you could imagine yeah um and so, like, that part's funny. The stuff that didn't work for me is when, like, they try to introduce consequences. Like, when they try to... The stuff with the... the God, I'm forgetting the names. The the teenage girls who, like, sneak into your nightmares. And the stuff Maras? Like, the Maras. Yeah. Um, That stuff, like, really didn't work for me. Because I was like, at the end of this, like, nobody's going to wind up hurt meaningfully. Like, I, I just am not getting... I, I can't see a world where this pays off well. Like, it, it's just going to get in a world where, like, a loophole happens and everyone's fine. That's basically, like, what does happen with the Mara at the, in the end, in the, like, penultimate episode. Or maybe it is the last episode where David is like, I'm not scared of you anymore. And they're like, oh, no. And it's like, okay. I don't, like, I, I just don't, um, 
I, I like know there are uh, bullets they can't fire without like ruining the tone of the show. And so when yeah. they hint that they're going to fire it, um, it doesn't really work. Except for like the Rat King where it's so even like talking about that bullet being like mentioning Rat King. <laughs> like, oh, my God, this is like really wild. And so like uh, I think that pays it off. But when it's just like, I don't know, some of that stuff just like didn't. That is when I found myself being like, this is a kid's show for kids. Yes. And uh, this is a show that is not for me. And it is, like, not interesting me in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. And and like you said, it's, you know, it is at its heart, it's still a children's show. And so, like, mm-hmm. there's there's only so much of that you can, I feel like, dive into without having to target an older audience kind of overall. Yep. Yeah, at a certain point, like, you... I mean, basically, like you just said, or like to rephrase it, you are you can only target an audience as young as is appropriate for your darkest episode. And like, uh, so they can't go that dark if they want to target ever. They can't ever go that dark if they want a younger audience. And so like the tone of the shows makes it clear that they want this to be accessible for young kids. And so I'm like, so they're never actually going to like go dark dark so the times when they hint that that might happen i just like don't really buy it um and so i'm like i don't again it's those moments where i'm like i get why you did this because this show isn't for me and if i was eight or six this would probably really work but like you know i'm just not like afraid of mice that will control (laughs) my mind anymore (laughs) yeah no that's fair (laughs) um so yeah but i thought that was interesting um i wrote the woodman is literally a zelda character um the woodman looks exactly (laughs) like the little wooden man from uh ocarina of of time oh like one of the dikus or whatever yeah whatever um i love him unironically he is i think my second favorite character my favorite character is the bird um yeah the bird has a name and I can't remember it either. I can't remember any names. I should have written down more names, but <laughs> um, the bird and the woodman in general, the writing of the funny parts was funnier than I thought it would be. Like, I felt like the writing in this show, um, I felt like it was up and down, but when it was up, it was more up than I thought it would be. There were like funny yeah. parts that were legitimately clever and funny the like woodman was weird like just weird enough to not be like totally random and out there but like um weird enough to be really like fun to watch i would watch i would i would have um i i, I liked hilda but like i would have preferred a show just about the woodman <laughs> a spin-off <laughs> yeah or like hilda and the woodman just like yeah. doing doing wood adventures um so yeah, huge, huge Woodman stand. I need a shirt that says Woodman stand. <laughs> yeah, I and I see where you're going with that because like the, um, you know, speaking of Cartoon Network and things like that, a lot of kids shows more recently focus on kind of the haha so random kind of stuff. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's one of the things I appreciate about this show is that it doesn't do that. Um. Because those shows are, I feel like, are more clearly not for me. Whereas this at least has, like, some elements um, that I think are geared more towards me. 
and like someone that I like someone of my age would still find able to appreciate in it. Yeah. Um, you say that, but I do, I did mention Ed, Ed and Eddie earlier and that show didn't ever have a plot at any point. It That's was fair. just sounds and lights and <laughs> stuff. So I don't know the cartoons today. <laughs> That's any true. Worse. Um, but yes, I, I think your point is fully valid. Um, speaking of, so I talked about like, I would have preferred a show with the Woodman and Hilda. I think in general, this show was strongest when it leaned into weird stuff and weakest when it was doing like kid at school who doesn't really fit in stuff or maybe not, maybe not weakest, but like the least for me. That's when it was most like a kid show. Like I liked the episode with the bird of just like weird bird who can't remember its name, talking about whether birds can walk. I liked the episode where the elves are trying to deal with, like, a real estate deal that went bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the elves trying to deal with paperwork at any time was always good. Yeah, I thought I wouldn't like that when it first was a thing. I don't, but it, they leaned into it so hard. They devoted <laughs> one of 13 episodes just to, like, a discrepancy in paperwork amongst the elves. Uh, and I was like, all right, I don't know how I couldn't <laughs> buy in at this point. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think that stuff really worked for me. And any of the plot lines that were like, um, you know, like there was a whole episode of the initial episode with the Sparrow Scouts of like doing the task to like get the weird plant people yeah. planted. The like troll rock plot line. I was like where david captures the little baby troll and it's running loose i was just like this is n- i'm i feel like i've seen this before where like kid brings a weird thing into school and is trying to hide it and like there's nothing new for me here in this moment i think my least favorite episode was the ghost where like frida's room isn't staying tidy and then they have oh. to like argue with a ghost yeah. to like get a book back and it's uh, like all of the like mundane home life stuff was the time i found myself just like on my phone like waiting to get to the next where i could like feel five minutes in i was like this the premise of this episode is like deeply uninteresting to me um and so i'm just like waiting for the next like weird elf uh real estate (laughs) episode to to hit me and then i'll be bought in again yeah yeah, I I think I agree, especially um yeah, I I never was a huge fan of those like classroom scenes or like them going out and doing fundraising and things like that. But yeah. like I think my favorite episode was the second episode, The Midnight yeah. Giant. Um it had it had like two kind of parallel storylines. It had partially dealing with the elves and all their weird stuff and then also the giant that you had talked about that ended up crushing their house and him finding someone and like learning about their like races history and all that stuff yeah my my big note was like the first three episodes i felt like got better with each episode like three really strong episodes and then the next three episodes were the Sparrow Scouts, the Troll Rock and the Nightmare Spirit, which is the first yeah. Mara one. I was like three really weak episodes and yeah. then or at least three I 
three I really liked, and then three I really didn't like, and then the rest of the season was like pretty back and forth, where there were some ones that were like really tough to get through, and some that I enjoyed. Um, but yes, I think that the first three, like the opening episode, I liked a lot more than I thought I would, and then I really liked the second one and really liked the stupid bird parade. Yeah, um, I think I think those three, at least in my opinion, were like the peak overall yes. of the season. The very beginning. And then it's yeah. all downhill from there. <laughs> and I, I didn't necessarily think the rest of them were like bad by any means. Like I, yeah. I enjoyed the show as a whole. Um, I think I'm less bothered by some of the kids stuff than you are. Yeah. Um, but I also, I think, watch a lot more of these kinds of shows, especially yeah. having a three-year-old an almost three-year-old like yeah i would much rather watch this as opposed to another episode of like mickey mouse clubhouse yeah i certainly would also um but Um, you know but i i enjoy like animated shows that are targeted towards children you know children focused stuff and all um it just doesn't bother me that much when it like I can I can feel myself kind of zone out when it there is an episode where it's clearly more focused towards like kids than like exploring something interesting but um yeah I think I, I definitely get where you're coming from though yeah I think fundamentally it's like the ones where the premise of the episode feels like a bit like the whole premise of the initial episode is that like Hilda needs to make an appeal because these politicians campaigned on getting her to leave her house. And now despite saying she'll solve the problems, they have to fulfill their campaign. Like the premise is so like weird and funny to me that it like keeps my attention. And that is the difference, right? Is like, I don't come into these shows with, like, a pre... Like, I don't like this. This isn't the type of media I choose to watch. So, like, the stuff that's interesting to me is when it really, like, subverts what I'm thinking. And when it doesn't, when it does kind of like a classic one of these, even if it's pretty well executed, that's where I just, like... You know, it doesn't, like, annoy me. I just... I feel my attention... I will like drop my attention immediately and then it's hard to get it back to the point to even like pay attention to what's happening, to be honest. Yeah. But I agree. I think think the first three were my three favorite episodes in the season. Yeah. Um, I do think there were good moments later though. I think, um, the hardest I laughed in the show was during the singing episode with the mice when the bug flew into David's mouth right as he started <laughs> to sing. I don't know why. It's such a like dumb, predictable bit, but it just like killed me. Um, <laughs> really great. The same episode, um, Hilda like tries to be encouraging about what happened, and David responds, if at first you don't succeed, try to pretend it never happened. Um, and that... <laughs> is a phrase that I want to continue using in real life. Um, So loved that part. Um, I think the other note that I had, the, the last like 
note that I took is Frida's a giant asshole. Um, <laughs> there's that whole the episode yeah. I talked about of like the ghost. That was I reacted so negatively to that episode because the thing I associate with kids TV shows more than anything else is plot lines that feel like emotionally incongruous uh, because they don't because kids don't have not like developed an ability to understand characters deeply. So it doesn't really matter. You can do something where like Frida gets really upset about a book. uh, And it feels like rational. Like it, it doesn't, it it doesn't feel incongruous because like it's a, it's you're a kid, like whatever, like Frida's upset about a book. You take things for face value, but I'm like, none of this like makes either Frida is not actually friends with these people or she's a giant asshole. And either way, I don't care about Frida anymore. And like, (laughs) I understand that they're children and like children get upset about weird little things. I understand that like the, the missing book and the fact that Frida hadn't been cleaning her own room also hurts her sense of identity. But like, it, that part isn't executed well enough for that payoff to feel appropriate. Because again, when you're targeting kids, you don't need to like, ex- you can't, the way you execute something like the fact that a book is missing, the fact that my room has been getting cleaned by someone else all this time hurts my identity is with a lot of subtext and you can't do that with kids. And so instead yeah. what you do is a lot of just like either no subtext and you just like are doing a thing and it's weird and incomplete or you're telling instead of showing. Um, And they sort of did like both at different points in the show where you're just like telling like, I don't, who am I anymore? And it's just like, okay, like this is not, (laughs) that's where like the, the quality of the writing in those moments, uh, the quality of the writing is really high in some of the funny moments and some of the plot stuff in some of the character interaction early in the season and the quality of the writing in some of the later stuff, especially between the three friends. Yeah. I think was really low. Yeah. And I think, I think that was one of the things I don't, I didn't always love is um, like a lot of the secondary cast just their characters in general, which again, it's a children's show. So they kind of tend to be, but they don't have to be like more shallow and more. Um, they, they just like, they are a personality and they have these traits and that's like the character. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you have like Frida, who is the, wants to be the best can't handle things being wrong character who gets mad when something like very mad when something like their favorite book is gone or whatever. Yeah. Like that is kind of the character to some extent. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole like Frida gets written out of like three episodes because she's so angry because Hilda said we could do this one specific thing to get your book back and then it didn't work. Yeah. And it's like, 
if you're gonna do that, then you have to like show Frida being unreasonable ahead of time, and like the crew like powering through it anyway. But it's such yeah. a weird sudden heel turn. It is that, that I'm like I don't even know who Frida's character is anymore. Like I don't really understand what's happening. Yeah, because she was never set up to be like that any time before this, really. No. And yeah, it was like the her room no longer being clean by someone meant that she was no longer perfect, which meant that her entire character had to shift. Right. And that was like the whole bit. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, you know, she's shown getting like stressed once or twice when her plans don't go exactly right earlier. But like, it's just like a sudden drastic, weird. I don't know. It just felt kind of like out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, I think, like, in in summation, at the end of the day, like, the best this show felt to me, it reminded me of, you guessed it, uh, Outer Wilds. Like, <laughs> the moments where what it was leaning into was Hilda's, like, uh, curiosity and, like, yeah. desire for exploration and, like, openness about the world um and, and like this bright heartedness in the same way that outer wilds is like fundamentally it like gets to dark places uh, and ha- asks really big questions um but has like a fundamental optimism about like the world and the people yeah. in it um while being like really interesting and and curious and things like that i think is the best the show was and at its worst the show was like rugrats where it was like there's nothing for me to grab onto here. It's just yep. like, it's just like sound and colors and like nothing hitting me. And so I think that it had some really good highs that I really liked. And part of that's the music, part of that's the script, part of that's the aesthetics. Um, you know, I think the voice acting throughout was really good for what it was, but like, yeah. um, yeah, I think the highs were higher than I thought they would be. And the lows were as low as I was afraid they would be. <laughs> Yeah, I I think I definitely agree with you on the um what parts of the show were better. Mm-hmm. Uh like I I had mentioned when I pitched it that you know it gives some parts of the world in like in pieces where you want to know more about that portion of the world like or like getting a spin-off series with the woodman or <laughs> uh different pieces like that where it, like shows you some of something in the world and makes you want to learn more. But then it does also throw at you. Like I had also mentioned in my pitch, the things that are more kind of clearly focused at children that, Mm -hmm. yeah, just don't really click quite as well. Yeah. I think, um, I think those are the big things that I wanted to talk about. Cozy, I know you also... We didn't watch this together. We watched this separately over the past couple of weeks. But Cozy, you also watched this. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we verdict? No, I. Th- you touched on, like, the main parts of, like, it... I think, yeah, the, the things that really, like, piqued my interest were, like, really interesting characters and some, like, fun ideas and, like, some of the silly concepts of like the elf obsessed with contracts like I really did enjoy um but I felt like overall the show just like wasn't really meant for me yeah like it didn't feel like it, I was not really the target audience for this show um 
But, like, if I had to, uh, if I was, like, babysitting a child in the right age range and I needed to watch a <laughs> show, like, I would watch this one for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, it seemed like a really good, like, show for kids. And I, but I don't think I would, like, pick it up on my own um, if I, like, not pitched for this show. Yeah, that's fair. I, I definitely don't blame you on that at all. Um, and yeah, I think uh, that's what I like about shows like this is that they are geared towards the same age range as a lot of other shows out there. And I think while they still have things that are clearly targeted towards that age range, like it at least it has more interesting parts um, than a lot of other shows tend to have. There's definitely some other shows out there that, you know, one of my other favorite shows uh, that's kind of targeted towards the same age range is uh, Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it tackles a lot of kind of similar, like, curiosity exploration type concepts, but it has also, just like this, entire episodes that are like, a musical where kids are singing a song and stuff like that, that it just, I would like lean toward, even though I love that show, like overall, I would just about skip some of those episodes. Cause they're, they're just very clearly not for me. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. But yeah, um, I don't think I had anything else to talk about either. So I guess all that's left is for you to give me your final verdict. Would you give this a yeah or a nah, Tim? Um, I went real up and down. Like I said, very strong first three episodes, couple very weak episodes after that. And then I think like the, the ones I liked were really up and down through the end. I think at the end of the day, I would give season one of Hilda a yaw. I think there was enough, like, when I think back to watching it, I enjoyed my experience of watching the show. Um, Granted, some of my experience was watching the show was, like, playing an app on my phone during episodes (laughs) I didn't like. But, like, um, the, like, highs of the show were enough, and, like, the music and the aesthetic worked for me enough that... um, I liked watching the show. I don't think I'm going to keep watching it. Like, I'm not interested enough to, like, go watch a second season um, or, like, a movie or anything like that. Um, And it's almost like the opposite of my last verdict you pitched me where I'm like, I truly hated playing Shovel Knight. But, like, (laughs) you've sold me on, like, why platformers are interesting. I'm like, I don't know that I think kids' cartoons are any more or less interesting than I thought they would be. Um, but I did, I think the experience of watching this now in this moment, I think I would yaw. This is one like cozy. As I was thinking about this, I was like, if cozy asked me a year from now, if I would yaw or nah this, I don't know (laughs) what I'll say, but like in this moment, there's enough like fun stuff. I think about like the wood man. When I think about this weird little bird, when I think about the weird, like, dust bunny people who live in the liminal space in houses um there's enough like fun stuff along with the aesthetic stuff that i think i would yaw this well cool glad to hear it cozy i'm curious uh if you had to give it a verdict since you did watch it too 
I think I'm a nah on this. Um, just, I just didn't, um, I felt like I wanted either some kind of like overarching plot or like more interesting individual episodes. And I felt like it was just like not grabbing my attention in the way I think it would need to for me to like yaw it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, like Steven Universe and also uh, another one, Gravity Falls, both of those um, kind of target a similar range, but they both have a bigger kind of like overall story arc that goes along with it compared to this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is something I think I think the second season might do that a little bit more um, than the first season does of Hilda. But yeah, I, I definitely I, I get the feeling of like for wanting more of something like that, that it just doesn't end up giving you. I think the other children's shows that I've enjoyed, where I've been watching the Clone Wars uh, TV series, and I've been watching, or, and I really enjoyed, like, Avatar, I feel like there's, like, a broader theme there that I'm still, like, that I'm interested in, and I felt like the broader theme of, like, Hilda was kind of just, like, curiosity and, like, wonder at the world, which I think is, like, interesting, but it's just, like, not a, there's not a lot to, like, think about or, like listen to an entire more civilized age podcast about that I I felt like that was kind of like why I was a not on it is that I think it's just like targeted a little younger than some of those other shows I've really liked that are kids cartoons so that like makes it harder for me to like get into it um but like that and I think that was really part of like what I was like hoping for that I've liked in other kids shows that I was kind of like waiting for it to like have a bigger theme that I was could like dig into. And even with that theme, you know, like we've talked about, um, there are episodes where that kind of theme gets derailed a little bit by things that aren't really like about exploring the world and learning more about it and more about like, you know, kind of normal life in a city with a little bit of excitement thrown in here and there. Yeah. yeah. It's really more of like an aesthetic than a theme. Yeah. And like I had kind of the same thought too of like, cause the whole first two episodes really is about like ecology and about like how you impact your environment and like how you handle space and like who can you own anything? Like how do you coexist with, like the natural world around you and then like Mm -hmm. uh that's pretty much i mean that's so broad that you could say that that applies to any show ever of like how does a character exist (laughs) in a world around them but like um even even within its structure that is like more or less abandoned by episode three and like i thought that's where it was going i thought it was gonna be more like Hilda's desperately trying to like make the city more like the natural world and both have to kind of adapt to her. And instead by like the end of episode three, she's found a, a, you know, boy scouts or girl scouts basically that is just like her people. Then it's fine. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So we're just not, we're not going to run with that. Well, and I think it's, I think it's, you know, it moves towards like her finding what she used to look for in the wilderness in a city instead. So like, 
you know, I know you had mentioned you kind of fell off the episode with like the vegetable people or whatever, but that's an element where like that would be a type of thing that she would probably find while exploring out in the wilderness and not wanting to come yeah. to the city and like she's mm-hmm. looking for those things and finding them in a city where she didn't expect to. Yeah. 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 So again, I, the animation and stuff were like cool and I liked the overall yeah aesthetic, but I think the I was like waiting for the like broader theme to kind of come through and I just felt like it didn't quite land for me. Well, cool. I'm glad to hear you liked it, Tim. Yeah. Thanks for pitching it. I will. Uh, oh, my only other complaint is that I wish there was more Twig. Great. I uh, love yes. animal oh, companions. Yeah, for sure. And oh, I yeah. forgot Twig existed for like four straight episodes. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> give me more Twig. But otherwise, otherwise, I think I, I liked it more than I didn't. Sounds good. All right. And now, as always, it's time for our middle segment with Cozy. So, Cozy, what do you got for us today? Uh, it's time to bring back a segment um, that we did a bit ago. Uh, it is time for Celebrity Amnesia Part 2. <laughs> uh, the first time we did this, Tim and Kyle had to come up with celebrities that I would, I or at least the audience would recognize, but I would not be able to name a show or movie they were in uh, because I'm bad at celebrities and remembering what shows or movies they're in. Um, so th- that time they pitched all male actors. So this time I've asked you guys to prepare some female actors so I can guess uh, what TV show or movie. Uh, I think you each picked three um, actors are, yeah. are in. In now, Kyle, in my defense, you give us no lead time previously. Right. And so when you Google actor, it's generally men who pop up. Yeah. <laughs> I. It's fine. We're and now we're doing the other side. So mm-hmm. now this is a funny concept that of me pitching something like this to you because I would put money on the fact that I would be worse at this game than you. Okay. Uh, well, we may have to have a. a I'll have to make you round both of celebrity amnesia. Yeah, where oh, Cody boy. and I compete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just give us a list of characters, and we'll just do a speed round to see who can get them first. There we go. All right, well, because I know more actresses than you, I will let you go first, Cody, in case you steal one of mine. Sure, sounds good. Yeah, I, I prepared a little bit more than three just in case. But, uh, yeah, so I, because I also am not great at this sort of thing, I have no idea if any of these characters are going to be, like, a, a, like, something that you won't get or just, like, a, <laughs> a fastball straight down the middle Perfect for All you right. to hit a home run on. So uh, <laughs> the first one, though, I'm going to give you is Mae Whitman. <laughs> oh, she's in Parenthood. You got it. She wow. is in Parenthood. I don't think that I would have gotten that. That was the one that I was like, I feel like Cozy might have watched Parenthood. So if she did. But she was, she's she been in a number of other big things. Like she's in Good Girls right now. Um, yeah. She was in Arrested Development. She was in Scott Pilgrim. She voices Katara in Avatar. Yeah, I don't so. think I would have gotten that. I don't think I can name anyone else from Parenthood. But <laughs> for some reason, I know that one. <laughs> Truly unlucky. The mom from Gilmore Girls is also uh, Mae Whitman's mom in Parenthood. I don't remember her name, though. Interesting. No, I don't either. All right, my turn. 
Yep. So Cozy gave us this assignment. I decided to make it slightly more difficult. I chose actresses, only actresses who are so prolific that just their filmography has its own Wikipedia page. So you should have so many choices to choose from. Um, Okay, first option. Reese Witherspoon. Legally Blonde. Damn it. I thought, okay, that's the one I was least confident about. I thought you might know Legally Blonde. <laughs> Do you know any movies other than Legally Blonde or Legally Blonde 2? Um, I feel <sighs> like I should, and I The don't. Legally Blonde just really got me. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. You've gotten <laughs> two. You got the first two. Yeah? Yeah, I did. That's impressive. All right. Uh, let's see. I think for my next one... Uh, what about Anna Ferris? Ooh, good one. Ooh. I feel like she's in a bunch of movies with Chris Pratt. <laughs> but well, I, she was married or is she Chris married Pratt. to Chris Pratt? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I have no idea. All Not right. a clue. Not a guess. You want to guess something Anna- other than just something with Chris Pratt? I feel like, hang on, it took me a minute to even, like, picture Anna Ferris. Um, oh, boy. I feel like she's in, like, some kind of, like, rom-coms, but I can't picture the names of any of them, so I have no idea. All right. I think her biggest thing recently, are you, are you, uh, are you officially passing on this one? Yeah, I don't know. So she's in Mom, which is, like, a big sitcom on, that's, I think, still going. She was in... Scary movie one through four. Uh, and I, I think her biggest like starring role, I guess maybe was House Bunny. Uh-huh. But yeah, I think I think mom is probably the biggest most recent role for her that you That's probably the one I was like from. picturing, but I never would have got the name of it. Yeah. I think she was also on Friends. I feel like for a lot of characters, if you just say friends. You'll probably there's a like, good chance they'll have been on it. If yeah, but like a enough. guest a guest star role is not the same as like a thing they were in. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you gotta have been more than one episode. That's fair. Because I could also like name like CSI or something. Like they were probably all on Law and Order too. But like I'm not gonna <laughs> name that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have my next one again. Okay. I only chose actresses who have Wikipedia pages just for what they've been in. So. You would think you should be able to name at least one thing. Okay. I got the first one, so you're sure. really teeing this up a lot. Angelina Jolie. Um, oh boy. <laughs> I feel like I just like saw a movie recently that she was like the mom in, and I can't think of what She's been in about 50 movies. Okay, thank you for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Any guesses? Well, Do you I have know. A time limit? I feel like you're quietly Googling in the background. I'm not Googling anything. <laughs> Um, oh, <laughs> I should know that, and I really don't. Well, I can't think are. of one movie. You're passing on Angelina Jolie. I feel like I can, like, picture the, is she in the, um, oh, this is frustrating. I feel like, I, I don't think she's in the, um, I feel like I keep wanting to say it's that, uh, the movie that's silent, it was like the. No. That, like, the... That... She's not in that movie. We, I, you don't even know what it's called. <laughs> I did not give you enough to get You're talking that. about the John Krasinski one, right? Yeah. No, she's not in that movie. Okay, well, that's the one I want to say. 
Okay. Is that your guess? I suppose. All right. Well, like I said, she's not wait, in that movie. Wait. She's in... Oh, I don't know. There's like one... Is she in like Live, Laugh, Love or something? Is that a movie? <laughs> well, it's a saying. Um, <laughs> no, Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> eat, Pray, Love? I don't think so. I will search, because she has such a prolific career that I have to search the Wikipedia page. No, she's not in Eat, Pray, Love. I don't even know if that's a thing. Um, I think you've used up your time. At the interest Fine. of not making this a four-hour podcast. Um, she is in lots of things. Mr. and Mrs. Smith with at her time oh. husband Brad Pitt. Uh she's a voice in Kung Fu Panda. She's in Wanted. Uh what what else? Uh Maleficent. Um she was just in the Eternals Marvel movie uh-huh. as like a lead character there. She played Lara Croft in the Tomb Raider movies. Mm-hmm. Um There's there's quite a few more. But those are those are the ones that I thought there was a chance you she was Beowulf or she, she wasn't she wasn't Beowulf but she was in Beowulf. Um, so there's a few. Okay, I probably should have got. I think I've seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith. You've seen Mr. And, and Mrs. Smith. I probably should have gotten that one. Well, <laughs> maybe I've seen one of those couple spy movies. I don't remember which one. Fair. There's a there's a few. Of it's them. fair. There are a few. All right, Cody. Last one from you. All right, so this is another one where, like, I could see it go either way. Either you just won't happen to know the things that she's been in, or this will be just a a real easy one. So for my last one, we're going to go with uh, Uma Thurman. (laughs) Oh. That's a good one. I don't think I know. Oh, wait, is she in? She's on Snowpiercer, is she? Mm, Who am I thinking of? No, uh, you are probably thinking of, uh, and I can't think of her name Are you now. thinking of, um, oh god, now I can't remember either. This is turning into a great podcast, <laughs> none of us can remember. It's the, the who plays the, like, producer. yeah, the, she plays Tilda Swinton? Of, yes, yeah, Tilda Swinton. that's who I'm thinking That is so Okay, then I have the no film. idea. All right, well, here we are. <laughs> All right, uh, is this a pass? Yeah, I well. pass. All right. Her biggest roles would have been in the, at least in my opinion, in the Kill Bill movies and in Pulp Fiction. And she was also Poison Ivy in uh, Batman and Robin. But that was the Batman that we were in, not Cozy, because Cozy is uh, Robert Pattinson Batman. Correct. So, I mean, oh, yeah. So she that. wouldn't have done that one. As an aside, Uma Thurman was also in Motherhood. Oh, no. Parenthood is the one you were talking about. I can't remember all the hood movies. Oh, really? <laughs> Yes. I fully thought Uma Thurman was uh, Tilda Swinton, so. (laughs) Amazing. All right, last one from me. Ready? Yep. Meryl Streep. Um, What was she just in that I saw? Come on, you got this. This is so ridiculous. Um, It's Meryl Streep. I know. Meryl Streep has been in over 80 films that have Wikipedia pages. Just in that one with uh, the person from Hunger Games. What? I, I, I know I know a movie Meryl Streep was in. Now I just can't think of one when I put on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a guess? She was just in a movie with Jennifer Lawrence because she was. I kept seeing like TikToks of Jennifer Lawrence talking about how they called her the goat. 
<sighs> and she thought they were calling her an old goat because uh, she didn't realize it stood for greatest of all time, which is just a good thing that if um, you I know get about this Meryl because Street. you saw those TikToks, I will be so sad. <laughs> but I don't know what movie Jennifer Lawrence was promoting. Wow, in the incredible! TikToks. Um, good advertising. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Not for me, at least. Uh, I don't know. I should know this, and I don't. Do you have a guess? Do you have any guesses? No. Okay. I just can't think. I know I I like I think if I thought for a little bit longer, I just like I don't think I'm going to get it in the time frame we should I should get it in. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Not at this point. Uh the movie you're trying to think of was Don't Look Up. Um Oh. Which she was in. I don't think she was a crazy major role, but she wasn't. Well, I guess she played the president. I haven't seen that movie, but she was in that. She was recently in The Giver. I mean, she was in Devil Wears Prada, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Mamma Mia. Um, Mamma Mia is the one I probably should have gotten. Yeah, I thought that was one that you, if you got, you might get just like immediately. Sophie's Choice, Kramer versus Kramer. Um, Lots of, lots of classics. Yeah. Wow, Um, you started really strong. I also realized that I was confusing Angelina Jolie with Julia Roberts, which is why I was thinking she was in Eight Pray Love. Amazing. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, I thought about doing Julia Roberts. Yeah, Tim definitely took the alternate path from me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's for I sure. think you both, stu- you tied. You both stumped me with two. We did. Um. Ultimately, I am the loser in this game. <laughs> <laughs> it could be worse. You could have gotten zero. It's true. That's true. I did manage to get a couple in there, so... There you go. Participation trophy. Woo. All right. And now I think it's time for our last segment. Uh, Tim, what do you have to pitch for me this episode? Uh, Well, this episode, I would like to do something new that we have not done before, which is a little bit of a choose your own adventure. Um, Because, you know, you're not always in the mood for like, a specific thing. Maybe I really want to read a good book or whatever, any other activity, listen or perform in a podcast musical. Um, <laughs> imagine I pitch you performing a podcast musical. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to um, say, if I'm given the choice, that will not be my choice. So just, yeah, just throwing it out we there. We're recording this close to April Fool's Day. But oh well. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give you a choice. I have one podcast, one thing on Netflix, a video game, and music to pitch you. And from those four categories, you can pick which of those you would like. Um, hmm. I think, uh, because I don't think we've done it yet between the two of us, I'm going to pick podcast. Nice. Very cool. This is one I am very curious to see what you think of it. Um, Cody, you listen to, as we've discussed in the podcast, mostly comedy podcasts. Correct. I'm going to pitch you something very much not that. (laughs) Um, I'm going to pitch you a podcast called S-Town. Have you heard of this? I have heard of this, yes. Okay. Uh, it is actually, you pitched it to me a long time ago. Sure. 
and it is in my like subscribed to podcasts and has been unlistened for a very long time. <laughs> Amazing. Well, now you can <laughs> listen to it. Um, the premise of S Town, uh, to remind you and for our listeners, is a an investigation. A journalist named Brian Reed, who uh, you know is created by the producers of Serial and This American Life. Um, an investigative journalist, Brian Reed, or really he, he works for This American Life and the This American Life staff get an email from a man named John B. McLemore um, asking them to investigate an alleged murder in his hometown of Woodstock, Alabama, a place that John McLemore in his emails refers to as shit town, um, hence S town. <laughs> yep. Uh, and so the, the like stated premise is that Brian Reed travels to Woodstock, Alabama, uh, which is truly like the middle of nowhere, Alabama to investigate this murder. Um, but that's not really what the podcast is about. Um, the podcast takes a shocking turn that like took my breath away like to the point that i can remember like where i was i was in a greek food restaurant uh in the minneapolis skyway getting lunch listening to this podcast and it like hit me when i was in line and i like had to order and felt like not emotionally prepared to order (laughs) um Uh, And it takes a turn, like, two episodes in, and then becomes a just fully different podcast. Um, And I think it's super interesting. I think there are people who have different feelings about this podcast, about, like, how it's executed. In the same way that people have different feelings about Serial, of, like, is it a good thing that this podcast exists? Or, like... What is the, uh, you, you know, how does this affect ethics and journalism? And, like, what are, I, I think there's interesting stuff to chat about. And, like, this is one of the media I've listened to that was, like, most effective in that it, it affected me the most when I was listening to it. And I was, like, fully just, uh, you know, the first episode's pretty good and it's interesting. The second episode's pretty good and interesting. And then again, there's it, it turns at the end and then is just like a a very, very different podcast that I I really like and have a lot of fond feelings about. So I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. And it's it's definitely an area where beyond besides listening to the first season of serial, it is I think the format where I have been most stuck in listening to kind of one genre of show, as we've mentioned. So I'm excited to like try listening to something else that I wouldn't normally listen to. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. And it's pretty short. It's seven episodes. Uh, only I, I, the episode, the longest an episode gets is 62 minutes. So it's not a uh, it's a pretty quick listen but they really pack a lot into those seven episodes cool all right i am uh i'm excited to listen to them nice hey guys cozy here just popping in quick with a 
content warning for S-Town. Um, it does have some intense topics, including homophobia, racism, and self-harm and suicide. Uh, so if you are listening along with Cody, just be aware that those topics are present in the podcast. All right, and that's going to do it for this week's episode of Hard Cell. Thanks for listening. Uh, remember us. Uh, remember us. Remember. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> remember me. <laughs> you Wait, did you cancel our podcast and uh, forget to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Yes. Sorry. Amazing. <laughs> Uh, remember to drop a rating and a review of us wherever you find your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Hard Sell Show. Uh, if you have any comments about anything that we've talked about, um, you can feel free to send us an email at hardsellshow at gmail.com. Uh, we occasionally st- uh, stream on Twitch at Hard Sell Show. And until next time, we'll catch you on the floopity flop. Please remember us. <laughs> Please. Please.